Hey, everybody. I'm Leon Thomas here again with Miranda Kitterland Lynch. You're here for checking in a lodging DEI chat. Hey, Miranda, how are you? I'm great, Leon. Good to see you. How are you? I'm doing okay now. You know, it's okay. been a rough couple of weeks with that that cold, right? But I'm I'm feeling good now, ready to go. And back on the racquetball court later today. Oh yeah. my goodness. Already. Well, I know that you don't feel a hundred percent, but you look a hundred percent and you sound a hundred percent. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. What's happening new with you? Anything hot, new macaroni and cheese recipes? I mean, anything new going on? I don't know that I have anything new. Everything. Oh, my goodness. I think that I've told you before about the Cub Scout situation. Yeah. My daughters are in Cub Scouts, and I promised my husband, <clears throat> I'll take care of it. I'll do all the things. You don't have to go camping. You don't have to do anything. Well, their big camping trip was last weekend, and I was out of town for work. So he had to take them. <laughs> 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 oh, <laughs> One of the adventures in camping included a canoe ride <clears throat> where he had to take my two small children in a canoe. And as soon as they set him off on the canoe, they said, just keep your hands out of the water because of all the alligators. <laughs> what? I'm surprised he didn't have a heart attack. <laughs> oh, no. What? So, <laughs> so yeah. oh. That's a classic right there. You told him he won't have to do anything. And now, did you just happen to schedule to go out of town once you saw the camping schedule? Or I'm not you know, saying, how does that all work? I'm not saying that I would not have, but it just so happened that the universe smiled upon me. <laughs> mm hmm. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Now, what could be worse than don't put your hands out because of the alligators? What could tipping the canoe over? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's right. That's right. We. Oh, wow. Interesting stuff. So, here we are. This is episode seven, <laughs> season two, episode something. So let's go with seven. <laughs> but as we were talking before the show, this is our first repeat guest yes and what better repeat guest to have for season two than dr stephanie benjamin and before you bring her on i just want to read to you uh from her biography she says my research agenda lies within the nexus of social equity and critical tourism scholarship exploring marginalized populations lived experiences and counter narratives and I think that that just is the epitome of why we even started this podcast in the first place. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like it. Let's bring Stephanie on into the show. Hey, Stephanie, how are you? Hey, everyone. I'm holding in there. Uh, just like you, Leon, I'm, I'm recovering from a cold. So it's that mm -hmm. season. Um, but I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. just like hey. Leon, you look 100%. <laughs> It's the lighting, you know, it really it does. It does a lady good. <laughs> right on. Thanks for, thanks for being with us. Yeah, we appreciate your being there. Now, let's see. You're where at what, what university? I'm at the University of Tennessee 
in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, and okay. I'm in the Department of Retail, Hospitality, and Tourism Management. Mm-hmm. How's football going this year? I heard it's been the wrong person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think from from my last understanding, we won against it was a Texas A and M, like the last sixty seconds or something of the game. Okay. Um, I I don't think. There's a a game this weekend. I'm 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 so bad. I don't know. <laughs> I think Leon's just looking for an opportunity to talk about his Ravens. <laughs> oh, go for it. Yeah, Any, go for it. Anything to talk about the Ravens because the Orioles just didn't do anything in the playoffs. So I need something to talk about. So <laughs> I appreciate it. But let's not even go down the sport now. <laughs> Let's talk about some some other things here. Go ahead. Yeah, Stephanie. So thank you again for being here. Um, As we mentioned earlier, you're our first repeat guest. So we had you on in season one. And very honored. Thank you. Since then, you have been doing some really cool things. Can you share with our listeners any of the amazing like initiatives that you have going on? Sure. Yeah. You know, um, over the past year, we've we've continued. Um, my colleague at San Diego State University, Dr. Alana Delette, uh, she and I have continued to work with Evita Robinson with the Nomadist Travel Tribe. And uh, this past couple weeks, I guess at this point, uh, they held their Nomadist Festival in Louisville, Kentucky. And this festival is meant for Black and folks of colors, color and their allies. Uh, and topics range from, uh, you know, traveling abroad with your your, your kiddos to um, understanding the points for credit cards to help you get to those travel destinations. And so a lot of really great dialogue is generated. Uh, but there, uh, Alana and myself really launched our new initiative, which is called CODE, and it stands for Collaborating on Dialogue and Equity. And we're really excited about this movement. Um, It's more of a consulting type of uh, initiative. And we are helping folks within not only academia, but more so within industry, within business, going beyond travel and tourism as well. Uh, How do we have those difficult dialogues? Um, How do we come together as a community that's authentic and not performative? and really digging deeper into who we are as humans and our intersectional identities and understanding that it's actually bringing us together more than pulling us apart. Uh, And so we're really excited about this. We use more of a data-driven approach. So we use both insider and outsider uh, methods moving or ranging from uh, internal to external surveys to focus groups um, and then bringing those strategies uh, or excuse me, synthesizing and analyzing that data to really bring forth some tangible ways to use use those numbers and use um, that qualitative information to really help businesses and destinations and academic units understand what are some of their pain points and what can we do to really help y'all move forward in uh, just some more cohesive and holistic and hopefully centering some human aspect and humorous ways about it as well. I think that's incredible. I think that I'm a big fan of all the work that you're doing. And I think that this is just an amazing next step. Um, For anyone who missed it, I'm sure that I asked you this in season one, but for anyone who happened to miss it and is just now joining, 
Can you share with us what brought you to this work? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, my background, like so many of us as academics, um, ranges within the different disciplines. And really, it started during my master's program at East Carolina University Go Pirates uh, in our sustainable tourism program. And there I met uh, Dr. Derek Alderman, who is in human geography. And I really started to understand the how power and politics, race, gender, disability, all that intersects into how we as humans, as tourists, as travelers, interpret and understand the world around us. And from that master's program, um, I eventually wound up in the Foundations of Education of Inquiry at the University of South Carolina. And I was able to be mentored by incredible scholars there. One was Dr. Brian, Michelle Bryan, and really understanding how race and ethnicity truly impacts everything that we do in our, in our lives. Um, and my dissertation focused around counter narratives. So the non-traditional type of stories that we don't traditionally hear when it comes to heritage tourism sites and specifically at plantation museums. And so I focused on this performance called Let Them Be Heard. And these were uh, different uh, stories and ex lived experiences of either descendants of enslaved folks um, or their uh, family members uh, during, um, it was a, the WPA project, and hearing and reliving and reacting those, those specific narratives at these plantation sites was so powerful and an incredible emotional tool to really help folks to understand the, the nuance and the complexities of what freedom meant to these former enslaved individuals. Um, and uh, so that's where it really, really started for me at that point. And, uh, and then it just kind of, it just continued to build from there. Excellent. All right. Yeah. Thank you. You're watching Checking In, a Lodging DEI chat. I'm Leon Thomas with co-host Miranda Kitterland-Lynch. And our guest today is Dr. Stephanie Benjamin. Thank you, Stephanie, again, for being being with us. You were you were talking about the the plantations and and information around that and something interesting that that happened to me just a few days ago. Um, I have an uncle who will be 100 years old in a few weeks. And by the way, he's not the oldest person in the family. We have another aunt who's 105. So Wow. Miranda, you and I will be doing the show till I'm like 200 and something, I guess. But we'll. we'll... <laughs> You're going to have to find another co host. I'll be dead at like 67. <laughs> but one of the things that um, my cousins and I discovered was that my uncle grew up in an area called Smithtown, and it's a small part of Granville County, North Carolina. And that was the Smith Plantation is where my my relatives, my forefathers and mothers grew up on. And I didn't know about that until just a few days ago. And he was sharing some of the stories of things that happened in the 1920s and 1930s and stories that he heard even beyond that. And so I started thinking that even as a, as a black person, many of us don't know the heritage and, and history um, of, of our culture and of our families. And how cool would it be if we could get that information out and have these 
heritage and historical tours as, as a part of uh, a historical vacation. Absolutely. Um, and I know some scholars too who are working on more oral histories, exactly what you, what you just shared, um, and really bringing in that, again, bringing humanness to what we do, right? Um, and for especially with the uh, interpretation of the enslaved communities, so many of the enslaved folks don't have faces, don't have names, don't have their stories heard. Um, because a lot of the excuses that were made from plantation um, managers at these sites or the managers of plantation sites is that like, well, we just don't have that record because enslaved folks couldn't read or write. Okay, but like just like what you're sharing right now, like there are stories, there are um, experiences, and there is material that can absolutely contribute toward this narrative. Um, and we're also seeing that push from Generation Z, from millennials, who are wanting more of this raw, um, non-romanticized version of our U.S. past. And so that's really been pushing the, 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 the changing of narratives at these sites as well. Mm -hmm. And then you take that and you, you figure that those that work at hotels, let's say that the hotels near Granville County, which there are, there are several, that when folks say what's there to do or what's in the area that that person working the front desk or manager could say, here's a tour you would be be interested in, right? So it all all pieces together. If we could we could make that happen, I'm excited excited about that. Go ahead, Miranda. Absolutely. And I was just thinking. Um, so I grew up in a small town in Louisiana, uh, a small tourist town, and there was a week where people would come and visit plantations and historical homes, um, and they had uh, people dress up in historical outfits and it was not <laughs> the right history. It was not the correct history. Um, I don't think that I've even learned the correct history until I was in my late thirties, uh, just because the information was not available. Um, Stephanie, as someone who is an expert in this area, what are some ways that we, we can, learn the correct his version of history? That's a great question. Um, and especially in states that here in the U.S. that are really trying to um, ensure that that history is not, not told, right? Um, and this has been a problem for so long. Um, so in order to, to seek out uh, what we call counter narratives or, or those are not from the dominant ideology or the dominant um, uh, narrative, march of, yeah, dominant narrative. Um, you can explore our website, which is uh, tourismreset.com, which stands for race, ethnicity, social equity, and tourism. And uh, there you'll find, uh, we have a couple different books that and I'm happy to share more of those titles because I can't remember offhand right now. Um, but I will share that. And we also have articles that have been written around um, plantations, plantation specific histories um, that are focusing on enslaved narratives. So um, I'll be happy to uh, share that with you all. And it's SB, 
sbanjam1 at utk.edu. Um, but I'm happy to help you all out and, and share more in that in that in that sense. But there are books, there are articles out there um, that I'll be happy to share with y'all as a footnote to really help y'all um, have a, just a better understanding um, as to the complex and distorted ways that um, we as a country and as also teachers um, tend to, to tell one-sided uh, narrative. And, um, you know, it's, it's not comfortable, it's not easy, but this is our history. And so it's really essential for us to have these conversations. And there's a lot of great children books that are coming out now too. Um, and again, I can't think of them directly off the top of my head, but uh, to help have these conversations with their kiddos and it starts in the home and it starts um, just at the dinner table and having these conversations that, that kind of help us just to unpack what's going on. Yeah, definitely share those titles with me. I'd love to incorporate them into our daughter's library. So, um, awesome. So is there anything that you would advise for us as people who are trying to learn, trying to do the right thing, right? What What's the number one advice that you would have for us who are trying to move the needle, even Ooh. within the home, at the dinner table? Yeah. Um... Honestly, it's, you know, it's also age dependent. Um, and I tend to disagree with my dad on this. <laughs> you know, I, I don't have kiddos of my own, but I have nephews. And um, I, I do feel like these difficult conversations are needed at a younger age. Um, kids are able to comprehend and digest a lot more than we think that they can. And, um, you know, for so many kiddos as well, you know, we, we give them this, it's literally a, a, a binary world. It's just black and white, good and bad. And there's just so much gray involved. And, um, you know, sharing with at the dinner table or in your homes, um, just taking little tidbits of, of information of, of, or of histories. And like, for instance, you know, uh, like Christopher Columbus and Christopher Columbus Day. All right, there's a certain narrative that has always been uh, shared of, of who Christopher Columbus was. And there's a lot of complexities as to who he actually, what he actually did and the land that he found. <laughs> and, you know, talking about even the, the indigenous tribe or the indigenous community that is on or that that occupied the land in which we are physically on right now that could be a starting point you know like let's let's go figure out all right who are who were these people that were on our land um what was their story what was their experience um and just acknowledging and, and understanding that this land in which we call our home was not um something that was um that white folks just found, right? Um, that we just kind of came across like, no, this was occupied land already. Um, and opening up a conversation there. And I think also humanizing it in a way where these were also families, these were also children that were involved within this indigenous communities. And, and I'm trying to like, trying to draw that line 
um, to really understand that there, there's a lot more nuances involved within the stories that we tell. Another thing, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm on a tangent here, uh, stay with me, but also bringing in food. Um, and so that's something that I feel like can be a really wonderful um, way for, for us to have conversations, whether it be through a family, whether it be friends, but hosting um, an actual, and this is what we're trying to do with Speakeasy to Truth, is hosting an actual dinner or hosting an actual um, uh, potluck of sense of, of sorts and really highlighting the cultural and heritage culinary histories of certain communities and certain marginalized groups that don't necessarily get to be um, understood or talked about. And, and I relate this back to um, the late Anthony Bourdain and his episode on Palestine and Israel and really understanding the, the humanness of our food and the history of our culture and our religion through food. And what a powerful tool that is to bring us together to understand that we are, we all are human, um, but we see and feel and experience life very differently, but food does bring us together in that sense. I know that was a very long roundabout way. <laughs> no, it was all very Perfect. valuable yeah. and very well, well put. No, I, yeah. yeah. So, Leon, I don't think we can ask our signature questions for this episode because Stephanie's already answered them. I know, but we we can do a twist on it. We can do kind of a kind of a twist. So, um, Remington Hotels, Remington Hotel Management. I saw on a a recent social media post that kind of uh, coincides with what you were talking about, Stephanie. Um, they have um, national or in their company historic what do they call it? Hispanic heritage is what they refer to it as. And they identified a week that at each of their hotels that they would have their Hispanic and Latin employees bring in food and describe the food and talk some about their culture. And I saw that post and I, I shared it out because that that's something that that needs to happen is that we learn more about each other through through food right and they they talked about that and i thought that was that was really cool and something else that i i saw from another management company and i shared the post and they asked me not to share the post and then i'm not going to say what their name is here but it was a really cool thing that they did what they did was on their breakfast they had varying types of ethnic foods on their breakfast. And they talked about it and they had employees there to talk to guests about that. And I thought that was a that was a pretty cool thing. So that leads me into our question. A kind of a twist on the signature question. Steph, can you make the little signature thing? Can you do like a signature? Yeah, Miranda signature. And all together on three, ready? The signature question. The signature question is Stephanie, away from traditional American food, what's your favorite ethnic food? What do you like? Now, not just not the type, but I mean, give me the dish. What's your what's your favorite Ooh. one? Oh, that's so that's a hard question. Well, that's what we do here. We have our yeah. questions. So that's that's what we do. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, I, I will say what I love is my mom makes matzah brai and it is a Jewish um, uh, comfort food, if you will, but it's matzah. Um, so it's unleavened bread uh, that usually tastes pretty crappy on its own, unless you put like, you know, some cream cheese or some jelly or jam or something on it, but you um, essentially fry it. So you dip it in water, you then dry it, and then you mix it with um, eggs, and then you fry it in a frying pan, and you serve it with uh, maple syrup. And I'm t- I, that's one of my favorite. Um, it brings warmth to my belly. Um, and it's something that I wouldn't mind having right now. That or matzo ball soup, either one of them, um, has been, those are two ethnic foods that, um, bring some joy to my, to my life. I love it. It sounds like a version of French toast almost. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I can see that for sure. Yeah. That sounds delicious. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, And different folks make it different ways, but that's how my mom made it for me. And, um, yeah, it's uh, kind of craving that right now. So yeah, that's <laughs> my favorite, my favorite dish. And, and to think about that too, in terms of what we're what we're talking about, I would also encourage folks to explore in their own cities what are some different heritage or food tours that they could take that are hosted by marginalized identities. Um, and I'm from Miami, Florida. That's where I'm originally from, and they have some great food tours. Um, in Overtown and in Lemon City. And so those are different ways to explore um, other communities um, and understand their heritage and culture and lived experiences through food. So that's something to, to think about too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, um, I know that you've already given us the answer to my signature question, which is, uh, what advice would you give to your 20 year old self? <laughs> yeah. So what advice would you give to our listeners today, right now to go out and do good? Yeah. Like these are some like really tough questions, um, to do good. Uh, okay. That's broad. But I like it. Um, Honestly, it it sounds very simple. But just check in on your friends and family. Um, Whether that be a text, whether that be a handwritten note. I love getting handwritten letters from friends uh, in the mail, uh, an email. Just, Just letting folks know that you see them, you love them. And uh, just having that little, just sending, forwarding that love, I think is something that um, we all really need right now to let us know that we're loved. And um, yeah, just just send that little that little nugget. That that would be my to do good aspect right now. I love that. Thank you so much for all of the information, for sharing your knowledge and your expertise with us and our listeners. We appreciate you. I appreciate y'all and the work that you're doing, honestly, is not easy. This is, it continues to get more difficult um, literally every day, (laughs) but um, I'll be sure to um, send y'all the the different links and and 
and resources that I have and just continue to, to keep up that good, necessary trouble. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Folks, you just watched another episode of Checking In, a lodging DEI chat with our guest, Stephanie Benjamin. Be sure to check us out on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube and LinkedIn and Facebook and everywhere. And tell everybody about Checking In, a lodging DEI chat. We'll see you next time. Take care.